This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warno Deschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. A Baha'i Perspective is a weekly radio program that interviews folks who have lived by the principles of the Baha'i Faith. If you want information on the Baha'i Faith specifically, you're welcome to go to the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today I'm playing an interview I recorded with Minu Makhadam, a Baha'i from Wilbraham, Massachusetts who escaped Iran with her family after the Islamic Revolution. I began our interview by asking Minu where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. I was born in uh, Tehran, Iran. Tehran is the capital city of uh, Iran or Persia, February 1953. Actually, you're, my... you're my age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonderful. Was, I was born in June 23, 1953. Oh, wonderful. So... That's great. Yeah. Kind of like a... We are, so we're <laughs> I feel compatriots. More, yes. So we understand each other better now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and when I was about around um, seven years old, my father was in army. My father was... Um, uh, um, he was... Start his job uh, when he was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And then he became, finally, he became colonel and in the time of the shop. But anyway, because his job required, we were tossing from one <laughs> city to another city, going because of the, his, my father's uh, occupations mm-hmm. uh, job required. And uh, we went from Tehran, we went to the north of Tehran, close to almost border of Russia. If you... Uh, see the map of Iran in mm-hmm. the north is Russia mm-hmm. and um, Tehran is is a little closer to, to the north but we mo- went to the uh, farther north to call it Rezaiye mm-hmm. and then uh, unfortunately when we went there uh, my oldest sister got sick and she got cancer and uh, she she got cancer and we she we had to back to uh, Tehran and uh, she died in Tehran and we stayed there for uh, two more years and then we went to Isfahan Isfahan is in a city in a in a center of Iran um i was raised in a in a family uh, the both generation both my, f- my father's side and my mom's side, both they were Baha'is. Mm-hmm. And I was born in a Baha'i uh, family. Mm-hmm. My mom is a... Uh, actually, my mom... I, I am the fourth generation in my mom's side. But my father's side, I'm the fifth generation. Um, but in my mom's side, um, it's interesting that my great-grandfather, my mom's grandfather... Um, uh, was born in a mini- one of the uh, most um, fanatic city uh, in one of the most fanatic city in uh, Iran uh, called Ardabil. Again, close Ardabil. Okay, Ardabil is the city close to Tabriz, the place that uh, Bob murdered. Okay, the Tabriz. Bob being the forerunner of Baha'u'llah and yes. the Baha'i faith. Yes, and. Uh, is the station is like a John the Baptist mm-hmm. to Christianity, and um, so my grandfather uh, was a mullah, was uh, had a high clergy in Islam, Muslims Islam religion, and um, and he was ayatollah. Ayatollah means uh, someone in a mosque and say a prayer in the front, and everybody else standing behind him and uh, say the prayer. So he was like a high station of the mullahs, mm. and um, he one of the Baha'i uh, was uh, visiting Ardabil. Uh, actually, stayed for two years in Ardabil and met my grandfather, and they start uh, start the conversation. And then uh, he find out that he was a Baha'i, 
And um, he, in the beginning, he was very, um, when, when you become fanatic, you become mm. very prejudiced. Okay. And he was very prejudiced, and mm-hmm. he started, um, you know, arguing and uh, telling that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. But the friendship started from beginning, and he felt that he could not, you know, because he felt that he was very comfortable talking to him. He felt very loved by him. Mm-hmm. So he got very um, impressed, and... Um, so, little by little, his prejudice is is vanishing, and mm-hmm. he start um, open his heart and uh, see with uh, with eye of you know, mm-hmm. just. Uh, now, what was the relationship against between the great grandfather and the grandfather? And uh, no, uh, he's my mom's grandfather. He's my great grandfather. And then, who was the other? The other one is uh, just the Baha'i. Uh, oh, I uh, see. Baha'i was visiting from Tehran. Actually, uh, he got a job in Ardebil and he okay. went there for two oh, years okay. and uh, they saw somewhere I think in a, in a mall uh, not mall in a bazaar we call bazaar. it bazaar a place of the you know um, stores oh, okay. <coughs> and he, when he started finding out that the, 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 there is a new religion called Baha'i, called Baha'i and uh, you know when you, your heart is open it's hard to go back to you, to your before what you how you were thinking so little by little, he noticed dangerous. You know, he was a mullah, and uh, it was dangerous for him to seek and uh, go to something that is uh, against his religion. You know, his religion that Muslims feel the uh, Muhammad sealed the prophet, and uh, for him was uh, contradictory to understand and see. But mm-hmm. uh, he was saying to my mom, to my grandmother, that he could not stop that if something was coming to him so he investigated the faith for two years and then finally he he could not stop it he said I'm a Baha'i and uh, and then when he became a Baha'i in uh, Islam Muslim religion you could have four wives and he had four wives but um, and then he financially he was he could who could have four wives and when he became a Baha'i, he found out that, no, you cannot have more than one. So, and he loved all four of them. <laughs> so he went to them and he said that, you know why? Um, I'm a different person now. And I cannot have four wife. I can have just one. So, and he said, you decide which one you're going to go. I-, I cannot do it. You guys do it. And then the youngest wife was pregnant. And uh, she stayed. The three of them left. Uh, when the... Other mullahs and clergy find out the mosques that he used to go there. And they find out that little by little he's not showing up. He's not practicing the Muslims. So the rumor started that he uh, left the faith, uh, Muslims' religion. And uh, they were saying that, oh, he's, a, he's a sh- um, evil. He's a Satan now. And uh, they decided to kill him. Oh, my God. And they, they did. They did finally um, in a mosque. Uh, they had long meeting after long meeting. Um, they decided the rest of them that they have to kill him because otherwise he become dangerous. Because he was very very well known and he was very um, he had so many so many fans that people loved him, and uh, they're afraid that if he be alive, uh, people gonna go find out what is this Baha'i <laughs> and he become a Baha'i so the boy that was working for them to bring tea what you call it uh, about like a 17 years old boy was working in a mosque and uh, bus boy oh, okay. call it bus boy All right. and um, they told him it was, it was in month of Ramazan they said you are, you are fast and this is the month of Ramazan if you want to go to heaven you have to kill Aminur Alamo so they made him to go and kill him, and he did. He went, uh, and um, he murdered him. And um, so did my mom's side is a very... My, my grandmother was the only child of him, later on became a Baha'i. And he had three more brothers, but they all went... They didn't become a Baha'i mm-hmm. because they felt that uh, it's not easy to become a Baha'i. And, um, but my grandmother, she uh, had four daughters and one son. 
So one of them is my mom's. Mm-hmm. And uh, that time, my father was born in Shiraz, in the south of Iran. And when it was World War II, that may, when my father um, sent, they sent my dad as a Morseist. He knew Morse. Oh, Morse code. Morse code. And uh, because he was very good on it, so they sent him to the north of Iran, because a Russian was coming from Russia to Iran. So, and uh, they gave him this job that he had to go in uh, Ardabil, and uh, you know have his area and do the Moscow during the war. And uh, he was Baha'i because my, his his father and his mother both were Baha'i, and then. My father was the second generation at that time. So he went there. And uh, so, of course, when he went there, he asked for the Baha'i family. And then um, my grandfather, my grandmother was the only family Baha'i in Ardabil. So he went there and he met my mom and they married. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then my, I'm, I'm the third actually child. The first child died as a cancer. And the second one is my older brother. I'm the I'm the third one, and I have two more. Is uh, one lives in Vermont, Burlington, Vermont. Another lives in Springfield, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. So um, I was raised uh, very with a strong belief, and uh, and I, I remember I always was very proud that what I was believing, because uh, raised uh, I w- when I was raised in Iran, just imagine uh, the majority of the Iranian religion is Muslim Shia and the Shia mm, is a religion and they treat non-Muslims as as a stranger saying the Baha'is are not legal in Iran they're still thinking the same way as you see and you hear mm, that uh, the Baha'i are persecuted in Iran but I was always knew why I was Baha'i and uh, I was practiced as a Baha'i. And the uh, Baha'i believes in oneness, oneness of humanity, oneness of religion. And I was, when I was a kid, I was saying, why these people think they're better? But nobody's better in the world. If we are all equal and uh, that their diversity brings beauty to the world. And, um, but, and I never shamed at what I was. And I always, whoever was first time meeting, said, you know, I'm a Baha'i. I believe in this. I believe in oneness. I believe equality, man and woman. And that gave me power as a woman in Iran. And uh, when I was a child, I always was picked on because I was a Baha'i. And, uh, but later on, when they started knowing me, they started liking me and loved me because they knew that my intention was pure love I was taught that I have to love everyone as equal so and everybody is my brother sister so I was treating people like that and uh, uh, but sometime I was stepping in the classroom I see in the board that they were disrespecting my religion right behind me something swear uh, against my my prophet uh, the Baha'u'llah and the Bab and make fun of me and one day I came in and I saw the board that it was something like swear to what I believe. And I got very upset. I stand up from the class and I said, I want whoever wrote that, come step in. I think this person needs to be uh, more um, explained that why this person did that. Because this is my belief. And um, I just want to see why this person did this job. And uh, nobody showed up. And my teacher came in and I said, I'm not going to stay in this class anymore until I find out who wrote that because this person has a big problem and I have to solve it with him. <laughs> and I, so nobody said anything. I said, I'm not going to stay here. And then I went to the principal office and I said, I want to come to the classroom and uh, clear this up for me because uh, I think whoever wrote this uh, had a big problem with the hate. And I want to face with nobody in front of me. Behind me, they do it. And I want to see who is this might be, needs to be understood. So at the print, and the principal looked at me and said, you're such a strong woman. You're, you're not afraid, you know, your religion or your minority. 
and you're most uh, hated by Muslims. And I said, no, why? I, have, I should be hated. Man, I, I love everybody. Everybody, how come they hate me? And that was for me, it was very unreal. And I could not understand. And then principal came and said, please stop that. And uh, so after that time, nothing happened. The rest of my high school was went smooth. Actually, I got so much, so many friends that uh, and I never had it because the courage I had was very. So I'm so proud of this. And um, little by little, the environment of Iran was changing. I think these um, fanatic idea and these mujahideen, um, the the way they're thinking uh, right now in Iran is a, a layer of the very fanaticism uh, that is gr- started to grow since 1960 in mm. Iran. And then grew little by little and now is, as you see, is a threat to the world. Unfortunately, um, and the Baha'i community tries so hard to do make it different, but another threat that these layer of hate was growing was the threat they felt Baha'is are threat to them because Baha'is um, believe of oneness oneness of religion and uh, unity and diversity and they didn't want it the level of the hate is mm. growing okay. it's very ugly there okay. and it's spreading around the world and uh, they are against the, against whatever bring people together and they don't they don't like it they don't want the only thing that the only way is the Islam way Muslim way and that's not right and um, and the Baha'is we are thinking different from them that's why we were very hated by by them mm-hmm. and in 1973 oh before I go to that after I finished my high school um, I met uh, my husband uh, he is a very far relative, relative on my father's side. He's like sorry, a fourth so, cousin. I didn't understand what you said. He's the one. He's the fourth cousin, my father's fifth cousin. Uh, it's very far rel- rel- oh. relate, relative. Okay. Relative. And um, so I met my husband, and uh, so we married. We got engaged, and we married. And um, 1974, we married. In 1975, I had my son. Mm. Um, but in 1979, a revolution, the Islamic revolution, uh, happened in Iran. And uh, Iran, they sent Shah, the king of Iran. Uh, so he went and exiled. They sent him out. Like they didn't want him. They threw him out. And uh, Ayatollah Khomeini came. And uh, we know as a Baha'i that uh, it's the persecution uh, is going to start. But, uh, but we knew that we have a mission. The mission that we had in Iran was to be strong and uh, to spread uh, the message of Baha'u'llah. But we were praying very hard. We knew that difficult times is, is going to coming ahead of us. Mm. And um, my husband used to work, um, was working that time in an oil company. He was a chemist, and he was working chemical company. And um, when the revolution happened, I had my, my second child, my daughter, Shavayer. But right away after the revolution happened, um, my husband lost his job. And um, he wasn't the only Baha'i who was losing his job. Uh, after the regime changed to fanatism, <laughs> I call it fanatism, and the all Baha'i, they start losing their job, and they try to make a, a, a recant of fate. Recant of recant fate. Recant of fate. And um, they could not do it, because the Baha'is... See, the Baha'i is not a religion, it's a faith. It's something that is within you. So you believe it. So something you believe, how you cannot recant it. And um, that's why um, about 300 Baha'i murdered. Um, we call it murdered because they died for their faith. And um, the only crime they had was they were Baha'i. 
the only crime. And but they were f- aiming to the, they were thinking the aiming to the Baha'is that they were like a, they were member of a Baha'i assembly or they were Baha'i teacher, uh, teach the, the Baha'i, Baha'i assembly being the governing council of, of the locality. Locality. All the whoever teaching the Baha'i children, and they were saying that uh, they try to stop the uh, fundamental of the faith, of the Baha'i faith. What they do you mean to stop the fundamental uh, of the Baha'i they faith? They were thinking that if they kill the people that were at the top in the top, or they're more active, right. they can kill the, the faith ideas itself. and the faith. Okay. But they were wrong, big wrong, because the, uh, the Baha'i faith grew faster, actually. And because people were saying um, that these Baha'i are most peaceful people, but they are under so many tremendous uh, persecution. But same while that they were persecuted, they were still peaceful. They never raised against the regime or against the government because Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith, teaches us that we have to obey the authority of the place that you're living. And, um, and they knew that we are the most innocent people in the country. But, but they felt so threat by the Baha'is because people were, as much as the hate started to grow faster, uh, the love of the Baha'i grew at fa- the same time among the Iranian people. So my husband was very... Um, he was working. I was a housewife because I was raising my kids. My son, that time, was about four years old. My daughter was one, two years old. And, um, but my husband, um, since the regime changed, uh, he was uh, the head of the engineering in his department. And then um, the president of the company okay. asked my husband to, to his office. He said that if you deny your religion, I can give you the, uh, the best job, like vice president. You can become vice president of the company, but you have to deny what you believe in. My husband said, no, thank you. You can have that job or give it to somebody else. That, but you're asking me to lie. You're asking me to deny what, who I am. I am who I am, uh, and um, how you can sell your belief and your heart uh, to material, to money, or to um, Position. positions. So I was very proud of him, what he answered, and I, I supported him 100%. So he lost his job. We bought a house in the beginning when he got a job. We bought a house by the um, bank, the chemical company bank, loaned us some money, loaned us some money. So when he lost his job, they got their, they won their money back. Within 10 days, they said, whatever we loan you, we want it back. Do you think that was also because you were Baha'is? Oh, yes, of course. <coughs> of course, they were pressuring Baha'is giving them like a hell life to become Muslims. And um, I, I could not, I, I still, I cannot believe at this time of age that some people think that you can force people to become. And um, my husband lost his job and within 10 days we had to give the loan back Thank God, we sold the house within 10 days. We gave their money back. And uh, my husband started doing some uh, business, you know, personal business, started doing it. Because wherever he was going, they were asking first, what's your religion? If you're Baha'i, sorry, you don't have job. Or if you're Baha'i, they don't rent a home to you. Some people that they were in a part of the regime, they had, but some other Iranian people, they loved Baha'is. Actually, they want to associate with the Baha'is, but they were afraid to show because uh, they could be, their life could be in danger too. So, um, 
So we sold our home and he started his business. And I was as a woman and I was raised as a Baha'i that men and women are equal. And uh, it was so difficult for me to see that the women are like a secondary people in the country. And um, they, they were treating women as nobody. And um, they were bringing them down. And even they were making them to cover their hair, cover their body. Um, because they were saying their hair, the woman's hair is, is sin. And uh, when, if a male see the woman's hair, um, they become... Um, what you call yeah, it? Yeah, aroused. Aroused. Mm. And uh, it was so funny and so ridiculous, ridiculous to think that way. And I was, as much as I, I could, I was stood and talked and answered them back. I was trying not to uh, follow what they want from a woman, from me. So that's why I was getting in trouble a lot. <laughs> Whatever I go, I was going shopping and uh, or I was driving um, people, especially other women, was approaching to me and said, "Cover your hair," or "You, you're the way you're doing it is not good. Uh, um, uh, you make other, you make men, uh, uh, yeah, what uh, you call it, uh, lose control, right, right? And I said, "It's too bad. It's their problem, <laughs> not probably my problem." I was, I God created my hair as created as man's hair so how come their hair sh must shown but not mine so I was always in trouble <laughs> one day actually I was going to uh, get my prescription from pharmacy and I was lip using lipstick and uh, when chador passed my face and another woman was standing by me saw my lipstick and came to me and said uh, I'm sorry, my vocabulary. I said, You're, you look like a whore. Mm. You're wearing lipstick. And I got so upset. I could not, I could not, I said, If I not said something, that I'm going to die. I have to answer this back. So I went back to, I said, No, is a, chastity is not what you are from outside. Chastity is something is inside of you. And you don't know who I am. How dare you talk like that to me? And he said, oh, I think you, are, so you look like you are a Baha'i because the way you're answering, you are a Baha'i. I bet you're a Baha'i. I said, yes, I've, of course I'm a Baha'i. I'm proud of what I am. I'm, I'm proud to be, uh, to see the truth and not to cover it. And uh, she, she's, uh, after that, she started calling other uh, military, uh, what do you call it, uh, yeah. the guard. Uh, the military guards that they're running the country right now and they were female she started calling them to come and arrest me and then for one second I said oh my god what I'm doing if, if they take me nobody can find me because so many people disappear like that mm. and I said um, oh my god my kids might become motherless mm. <laughs> so I said I should run away I should run and um, thank God my car was very close to the to the pharmacist. So I started to remember it was a hallway, a long hallway. To me, it was the longest hallway ever. And I started to run. And I hear people were running behind me. And they were coming, getting me. And they were calling, that stop that woman. That woman is against the God. That woman is Baha'i. This woman should be stopped. And I was saying, God, please help me out. Help me out. And then I started running so fast and uh, until I get to my car and lock my car right away. And they came. They tried to stop the car. They couldn't. I turned off the engine and I went as fast as I could. I went home and I told my husband, you know what? We have to leave the country. If I stay here longer, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be in prison or something going to happen to me. And I don't want my kids lose their mothers. So my husband felt the threat, felt the, that this life become dangerous, more dangerous. So we decided to leave country, but how? Because they don't, they don't give us passport. Uh, that time in 1983, 
still actually just five years ago start giving passport to the Baha'is but um, the Baha'is they didn't have passport because they were denied as a Iranian resident and they were calling us that we're illegal living in the country illegally because we are Baha'is so we didn't have passport you were living in your own country illegally it that's is. the way they put it yes yes still us it's like if we were hostage and no passport nothing my husband said, how are we going to leave the country? How? I said, let's escape from country. And he said, you know, you're asking me the most difficult things that I, uh, I hear. I might, we might die in a border because we heard so many people died when they were trying to flee from that horrible place. And I said, I'd rather die in a border than die here little by little. You know, I, when I was thinking that how I'm going to raise my kids, how I'm going to raise my daughter there. It was very painful. It was very painful. I said to my husband, you know what? If you don't come, I'll go. And he said, no, no, definitely I'm going to come, but we have to find a way that we can do the least danger. So we knew uh, a person was living in a, in a border of the country that he loved Baha'is, and he was a native around Pakistan area. Afghanistan, Pakistan, and he loved Baha'i. He wasn't, he was actually, he was Muslim, but he loved Baha'i. And he said that he wants to do service to the Baha'is, help them, you know, leave country. Wow. But he was charging a lot. So <laughs> so we paid about, um, that that time, about $12,000 we paid him to help us to flee uh, from Iran. So it took about six months that we prepare how we're going to go. But he told us we just have to take just one suitcase with us because um, if we were taking more uh, things with us, like a more suitcase or more belonging, um, the government and gonna, the people that they were in the border or the people in the, around the airport couldn't understand that we are planning to flee or something. So, from Isfahan, he said we should fly to Tehran. And from Tehran, we took a minibus to, to the border of um, Pakistan. Actually, closer to our, between Pakistan and Afghanistan. So, he decided to help us to go. Uh, meanwhile, we were getting ready to, to leave country. But we took this, we kept this very secret, very, very quiet. Only my parents knew that we were, we were doing it because we didn't want to get in trouble in the time that we were, you know, escaped from country. But uh, uh, my son, meanwhile, my son was in second grade that time. And he came home, he said, Mommy, they asked me that not to go to school anymore. And they asked me, what's your religion? I said, uh, my parents are Baha'i, but I'm seven years old. Um, as a Baha'i, I have to think until five, 15 and then find out what religion I'm going to choose. And then I told them, you know, when I become 15, I'm going to choose to become a Baha'i. Because Baha'i doesn't hate anybody. Baha'i loves everybody. And But you're asking me if you're, not, if you're Baha'i, don't come to school. I don't want to become like you. Definitely when I become 15, I'm going to become Baha'i. Because I don't want to... Uh, become like you you're telling me you don't like me because I'm a Baha'i and he started to cry mommy why they are like that why they don't like me I said these people only see one way and they don't they, they are very selfish and uh, so those stories was very painful that I was going through or sometime I was going to the to the market to buy grocery they were denying selling uh, fish chicken or anything they were saying oh you're a Baha'i we're not selling anything to you so those kind of things just uh, the pressure was coming left and right to to the Baha'is and uh, some Baha'i like, like my family we left we escaped from country but some Baha'i, they believe, no, they have to stand up. They have to stay there. 
and they have to stand for their rights. Although they don't get their rights, but they believe they, they will get one day. And uh, they teach by staying in Iran and teaching to, to other people about oneness, about equality, about the, um, that men and our women are equal, or that we have only one race, that human race. That's beautiful, and they stay. But some of them, they lost their job. About 300 Baha'i up to now uh, lost their job. They murdered. Lost their lives, you mean? I'm sorry, their lives. Also their job too, yeah, but I'm their lives is... Just imagine you lose your life to what you believe. It's very honorable. It's very honorable because this is very strong that... You even lose your your life. Job, okay, you lose your job, you do another job. But losing your life, um, but you're not lying to yourself and you strongly believe and with that belief, you teach other people is, effect, is effective. That's why um, since the revolution happened in, in Iran, the Baha'i came out from obscurity. Now around the world, they know who are the Baha'is. They gave their lives, but now, look at the love, the love that these Baha'is sending message is very broad, it's very spread around the world. Um, some of these Baha'is, they lost their job, was very close friend of me. Lost their lives, you mean again? <laughs> I said lost their lives was mm -hmm. close to you. Close to me. Mm -hmm. One of them was um, actually was Mona. Mona was the youngest. What is her full name? Mona Mahmoud Nejad. She was born in Shiraz, and um, she was 17 years old when she lost her life, and she murdered. Uh, she was arrested with her father. And uh, now how was it you were close to her? It's just a family friend, family friend, Very yeah. family friend. Okay. And um, she was 17 years old when they murdered her. They gave her a very hard time to recant, recant her, her uh, faith, but she didn't. She was a Baha'i teacher that time, and um, teacher of children, teacher of children. She was teaching the virtues she was teaching the oneness of religion she was saying to teaching other kids that uh, respect everybody's religion and she lost her life because of that just simply because she believed what she believed and uh, the other two was my, my uncles my aunt's husband she was I'm sorry he was about 60 years old and um, he was a teacher. He was a high school teacher. And he had a Baha'i meeting in his house. And they came. They arrested all nine Baha'is. And all nine of them murdered. All my, uh, nine of them, after nine months persecution, uh, they lost their lives. My Another one is my aunt's brother-in-law. And he was a Baha'i scholar. And he was very loved and adored by Iranian. Most people knew about him. Um, and they were looking for him. And he was running away. He wasn't wanted to, wanted to become arrested. But after six months, uh, they found him and they arrested him. And he went under tremendous uh, torture and execution. And his name was Kamal Agha Bakhtabar, Mr. Bakhtabar. And he was a scholar. Actually, his, uh, he requested to be in a court and he requested to be questions. Because most ba these Baha'i, they just without any um, due, process. due process of the law or court, they were executed, but he... Uh, because he was very known by people 
and everybody was hearing what he was saying. They could not hide that. So he requested to be in a court, and he requested to uh, have a microphone outside the court to people to hear. And uh, meanwhile, he was, uh, what do you call it when you're during the court? Uh, uh, there's questioning and answering. Yes. Quest the, the questioning of yeah. him. Of him. He was telling that who are the Baha'i were and what he was believing in. And um, and uh, his... Um, um, so they agreed to this situation. He, they agreed to have a microphone, and they agreed because uh, <coughs> they put him in. A, they, he put them in a position where they couldn't that refuse. It was so many witnesses that uh. they could not hide that. So, um, uh, so he had an opportunity to defend his defend his, his faith and his position. Yes, his faith, and he did uh, such a strong teaching situation and um, so many people uh, they wanted to become a Baha'i but in Iran whoever become a Baha'i they, they're executed right away without any um, arrest or anything you could you, you do have the right to kill an individual has a right to kill another Baha'i yes yes without prosecution Be without prosecution thank you without prosecution uh, they could be died. So that's why now, right now, I heard about two, three million Iranian. They're ready to become a Baha'i. If regime change, they want to sign. They want to become a Baha'i. But, but, but Baha'i, they don't let them to become a Baha'i because of their lives. But so uh, you're saying the Baha'i, the Baha'i faith in itself is discouraging. Yes. Iranians to be to declaring themselves as Baha'i yes. simply because yes. they don't want them to get hurt. Yeah, to they hurt or they lose their job or their or lives get or they get arrested or even because they have family. It's it's they don't want it be to cause of the um, hurt or uh, mm -hmm. difficulties. But they are Baha'i. They they know themselves as a Baha'i. They're Baha'is in in their heart. In their heart and their action. Their action. Their they. They feel that that they are Baha'is and they they rather to influence other people's life and their hearts and they spread the love around the country. Um, as you hear in the news right now, is this very difficult situation is going in Iran, and there's very minority people are in a power that they're running the country. But the majority of Iranian, uh, they are wonderful people. They are very lovable, and they are they they love peace. They love Baha'is. They don't want to hurt other people. But they are hostage in their country, like Baha'is. And um, so, when we left Iran, we escaped from Iran was very difficult. Was, uh, we knew that we're going to go through difficult time. But I had, my husband and I, we had mission. We had the mission to leave the country and to um, uh, send the message of the Baha'is to the world that how the Baha'i are difficult, live in, in the country and then and send their difficulties to the world and to bring some justice. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and we try um, just to send the message of Baha'u'llah to the world. And that was my husband and myself's mission, to bring my kids in a Baha'i uh, view, Baha'i atmosphere, to bring them up and raise them as a strong believer of Baha'u'llah and uh, to love everyone and uh, to be without any prejudice that uh, that is killing the world right now is the prejudice all kind of prejudice sexism uh, all kind and um, thank God they become a good kids when we came to Pakistan for 11 months um, we did because we didn't have a passport 
we could not we were deciding to come to America because my brother used to live here so we used we were thinking to come to America but because we didn't have a passport we had to stay in a Pakistan to come out with like a travel document something that we had to have to have to come to other country and uh, so because we were Baha'i United Nations helped Baha'is all around the world especially Iranian Baha'is helped them to settle in the places they want to go we came to this country we started our lives thank God we came to Springfield and my husband started his job that he used to work in Iran the chemical company he started his job in Monsanto chemical company so we started our life in, the, in Springfield and our kids uh, we used to go to school and also same time they were going to Baha'i school so when we came here it wasn't any Baha'i school but I called one of my friends and he, she had two kids I said, let's start the Baha'i school right away. So with four kids, we started the Baha'i school. And now it's grown after 20 years to a very large Baha'i school that we have. It uh, is about um, 90, 80 students we have. It's coming. So uh, I, my kids raised with the spirituality to believe in God. Believe on oneness of humanity, and they they became a very fine kids. My son graduated uh, from Boston University, and he's an engineer, and he's getting his MBA from Babson University, and he married three years ago, and uh, he's working. He lives in Boston, and uh, my youngest. Uh, this kid is it my daughter Shagayev. She's 27 years old. She just married in September, and she became a doctor. She is a OBG gynecologist, and she's her first year of residency. And uh, she works in uh, Roosevelt Hospital in Manhattan, New York. And uh, she married uh, to Peter, and he's a, such a nice nice boy mm -hmm. and uh, he's a he's a orthopedic he's study become orthopedic surgeon and he's not a Baha'i he's he is studying about the Baha'i faith he's very interested to the faith and my daughter-in-law my son married to um, Jennifer and she's her background was Catholic and she got in love with the Baha'i faith and she always says, I became a stronger Christian now. Uh, when I found out about Baha'u'llah, I felt that I, uh, I'm, I'm more in love with Christ. And she feels that uh, after she became a Baha'i, she, she is a stronger Christian. And she knows the Christianity more clearly now. And um, they are very active. And... Uh, I'm so proud of them. They're wonderful kids. And sometimes I tell to my husband, remember our vision? We were thinking that it still is not fulfilled because our vision is a time that we see everybody see each other as one family. And uh, I always tell my kids that remember you are here for some reason and we are all born to give love to other people and to bring unity to the world and see everyone as one. Mm. That's the beauty of, of the Baha'i faith. Mm. And uh, I'm very worried about the Baha'is in Iran. And um, there is no day pass and I don't think about them. They have a very difficult life in Iran right now. I pray for them. But they know why they are, they are there. They know why they're standing for. And uh, they know that if the time comes, the humanity gonna going to understand this is, this is one planet. 
and we are one people mm. and we are from same citizen we are from same family and we have to see each other as one family I'm so proud that I believe in oneness and uh, I admire people they gave even their lives for this ideas there is no day past that I don't think about Mona Mona is the youngest Baha'i were killed were died for her faith she and her 10 other women that they were arrested in Shiraz uh, they lost their lives because only they were Baha'is and she was the one of those 10 women because she was the youngest she requested to be last to be hanged because they were hanged in art in the suburb of Shiraz they took them with the bus they hanged them and she requested to be last to pray for the rest of the nine women and girls that they were hanged before, before her and she was praying for them when the time came and then it was her turn to be hanged she forgave her persecutor she said that you don't know why you're doing this but remember that God loves you and you still have time to understand why we are human you're human because you have to love other people you have to respect we are not animal we are human and and the man that hanged her she quit his, her job his job actually the person uh, uh, afterwards afterwards <clears throat> he quit his job and uh, he became a different person he said I don't want this job and uh, I heard he really changed his, his life really changed but Mona knew why she was dying she knew that she's giving her life away to bring the world as one and that's why I'm here that's why I said to my kids remember why we are here we have to send, send this message to the world we have to influence the people around us to bring people as one I just want to say I, I give this talk to Mona I know she, her dream was teaching the world about humanity about the oneness of humanity and I'm glad that I have this opportunity to, to, to tell to the world to, to be in the radio and thank you so much for asking me to send her message and Baha'u'llah's message to the world that we are one family, remember we should love each other put aside the prejudice we have I was witness the hate what hated in my country and I see how that hate is spreading but remember the peace is more strong than hate the love is more stronger than hate we can spread the word of love and we can overcome the hate is, is growing and uh, this terrorism all these nonsense that we see because we are not working hard to, sh to tell that we are one family we have to spread no matter we are Baha'i or we are not we have to put aside the prejudice and the hate and love each other dearly and sincerity from our hearts and uh, I told my kids that the time that they're really proud of them to see their lives is fulfilled what they believe what they how they gonna raise their kids how they gonna influence their friends and uh, to become better being as a human being thank you so much for asking me to to be part of this uh, um, I just I just want 
if you could pray for the Baha'is in Iran. I asked Minu if there was a prayer she would like to chant in her own language for the people of Iran. مورز بودم از اقبال تایید نمودی مرده بودم از آب حیات زندگی بخشیدی پج مرده بودم از کوسر بیان که از قلم رحمان جاری شده تازگی عطا کردی پروردگارا وجود کل از جودت موجود از بحر کرمت محروم مفرما و از دریای رحمتت من در هر حال توفیق و تایید می با سماع فضل بخشش قدیمت را سائلم توی مالک عطاو و سلطان ملکوت I asked Minu to read the English translation of the prayer. My God, my adored one, my king, my desire, what tongue can voice my thanks to thee? I was heedless, thou didst awaken me. I had turned back from thee, thou didst graciously aid me to turn towards thee. I was as one dead, thou didst quicken me with the water of life. I was withered, thou didst revive me with the heavenly stream of thine utterance which had flowed forth from the pen of all merciful. O divine providence, all existence is begotten by thy bounty. Deprive it not of the waters of thy generosity. Neither do thou withhold it from the ocean of thy mercy. I beseech thee to aid and assist me at all times and under all conditions and seek from the heaven of thy grace thine ancient favors. Thou art in truth the Lord of bounty and the sovereign of the kingdom of eternity. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Minu Mahadam, a Baha'i from Wilbraham, Massachusetts, who escaped Iran soon after the Islamic regime took power. If you want information on the Baha'i faith specifically, you're welcome to go to the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, 
or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station.